Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in today. Whether this is your first time or you've been listening since the beginning, I appreciate you listening. And this is episode number 11. Today, I'm going to discuss the idea of inheriting the kingdom of God like a child. Now, this account takes place in the lifetime of Jesus. He was the one teaching here. And this uh, takes place in Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. So it's in all three of the synoptic gospels. And I'm going to be reading Mark's account. And then I'm going to go ahead and reference Luke's briefly. But my main text is going to be in Mark. And it says this, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. They were bringing children to him, that's Jesus, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, in Luke's account, he specifically says in uh, Luke 18, verse 15, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. So when we speak of children here, there might have been some that were a little bit older, but we're really talking about children, little kids, um, probably two, three years old, you know, maybe not even that, maybe four, you know, could just, they're small, small children. And I was so challenged looking at this the other day. Because Jesus said, if you do not receive the kingdom of God like a child, you will not enter it. And in light of that, I kind of got thinking, you know, if, if we can't enter unless we enter this way, you know, this is what Jesus is saying, then it's kind of significant. If we have the option of accepting and welcoming and receiving the kingdom of God like a child or not receiving it at all, then it might be good to know how a child would act in this instance, as far as I can tell. And something that I found very interesting as well is so in, in all three of the, the synoptic gospels here, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see this uh, dialogue about children and children coming to Jesus and then Jesus commending the children and rebuking his disciples. And do you know what story follows immediately after this one? I never did. And, I, and I, I've learned lately that almost every story in scripture, especially in the lifetime of Jesus, I mean, pretty much all of scripture, it's so beneficial if you can always try to look at what comes immediately before and immediately after a certain story or passage of scripture. And it really sheds a lot of light on things um, and kind of the big picture. It's it's just a good practice um, for Bible study in general. But right after this passage is the passage about the rich young ruler. If you remember, he was the, the man who had great riches and he came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, do you, do you keep the commandments? And then, and then the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. I've kept all these commandments ever since I was a kid. Like I'm, I'm really a righteous person. And then Jesus said, Hey, that's great. And it, I think this, the scripture even says that Jesus looked on him and loved him. And then he said, uh, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And, and the young man went away very sad. He went away very sad because he had great possessions. And so we see between the two here, 
you know, an example of what to do, an example of, of what not to do. Jesus then follows that up and says it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So it's difficult for a rich man who has faithfully obeyed the commandments, and yet we look at little children for an example. So it's difficult for this man, but children are an, are an example. And I was just, I was really challenged by this whole idea. My daughter right now is about to turn two. She'll turn two here next week. So she's probably right about this age that Jesus was talking about, these infants that were coming to Jesus. And Jesus said, they're your example. And so in light of this, I'm looking and thinking that I can look at my two-year-old daughter as a greater example for inheriting the kingdom of God than this rich man who had kept all the commandments from his youth, but was consumed with riches. The idea of looking to a child for an example just really doesn't make sense. I mean, how often do we look up to children? I mean, physically we look down because they're, they're small, but then, you know, we don't really look to them for an example in many things, but Jesus said we should. And so he doesn't say any specific qualities in this dialogue. Jesus doesn't go and say, you know, you need to be like children and this is what children are like. He doesn't give any examples. Um, there are a few that I have picked out that I think are very accurate to what Jesus intends. And I've looked at some commentaries and some of them are in there, some aren't, but these are three things that I think that we can see in the life of a child. Um, it could be a great example for us as far as inheriting the kingdom. And these three things are dependence or trust. Dependence and trust kind of go hand in hand. Second one is humility. And the last one is wonder. Now, I'm pretty sure that Jesus was not talking about disobedience, throwing fits, or having meltdowns. I guess there's a chance. I mean, that is habits of children. You know, I've I've found as a as a father, I've grown a lot more compassionate of other parents. I know there was times when I would see like a kid melting down in the store, and I'm just like, man, what's you know, they maybe they're not the best parents. Like, what what's this kid's deal? You know, I I mean, what am I? What do I know? I didn't have any kids, and then I have one kid now, and all of a sudden I've learned to be a lot more compassionate towards other people. And if their kid's having a bad day, I realize that, you know, maybe they're a good kid and they're just having a, a bad day. You know, the, my, my daughter is like that. My daughter is this, the sweetest little thing. And there are some days that just, I don't know what went wrong, but something did. And she just is not who she normally is. And anytime that happens around other people, it's embarrassing, whatever. But then I realize, you know, maybe that's what these other people were, were going through as well. So I doubt that I doubt that's the kind of thing that Jesus was talking about. I think we're talking more about the good qualities. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain. So I'm going to go through and break down these three things, give some scriptural examples of them, and I'm going to dwell uh, longest on the last one of wonder because that's really that's what in, inspired this episode. So first, discussing the idea of dependence and trust. If you think a child cannot eat if their parents don't get them food. So my daughter has learned to use, you know, forks and spoons and stuff like she's capable of eating on her own, but she doesn't get food herself. My daughter doesn't go to the fridge and pull out, you know, pull out whatever she wants and then just go to town. I mean, she did find a bag of cereal yesterday within her reach and helped herself. It was pretty cute, but typically, you know, she, and even then we have to bring it home, right? She doesn't, she doesn't have the capacity to go work and make money and, and go to the grocery store. You know, she only can exist and survive based on her dependence on us. And then that births trust because you trust the one that you're dependent on. In, in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan said, hey, Jesus, you're hungry. Take these stones and, 
and make them loaves of bread. And then Jesus answered, no, in verse four, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here we see that Jesus is saying that we are utterly, utterly dependent upon God. We need to be dependent on him more than even our our portion of food, more than the food that we eat. We need to be dependent upon God. And we truly are. You know, we, I think a lot of times we don't fully acknowledge how dependent upon God we truly are. And it's easy to go and, and think that we can do these things in our own capacity. But, you know, I like to consider that even, you know, I might go to work and make money and then go to the grocery store and buy groceries. So in a way, you know, I've provided for my family, but at the end of the day, anything that I'm capable of doing, God's given me the capacity to do it. God has given me the skill set. He's given me the strength, the grace, all these things that I need to be able to go work, to be able to support my family. So at the end of the day, you know, no matter how you look at it, God is my provider. He's my source. I'm utterly dependent on him. I w- without God, I would be like my daughter at home waiting for me, her father to, to bring home food. And, and if I never showed up, you know, she wouldn't have any food. So that, that would be me without God as they're waiting for nothing. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, um, the author writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So are we truly dependent on God? Are you truly dependent on God? Do you trust the Lord with all your heart? Do you rely on him for all your provision? Is, is he your supply in life? I think this is one way to inherit the kingdom of God as a child is to acknowledge that all of what we have comes from God and we are utterly dependent on him. Now, the second category here is going to be humility. And humility is one that I think is very important for all of us. It might be difficult at times, but it's essential. And it seemed uh, in a lot of the commentaries and stuff I read, it seemed humility was one of the things that popped up the most. Now, humility, interestingly enough, is actually created out of an acknowledgement of dependence. So it's very hard to truly look at yourself humbly if you don't first acknowledge your dependence on God. Because if you are self-sufficient, then we don't really need God. But if I'm not self-sufficient, then how could I be great? If I can't even get through this life on my own, am I really, you know, amazing? Am I, am I have a reason to be full of pride? Obviously not. You know, the whole idea of humility, right? It depends on acknowledging that God is my source and that I can't do it on my own. And so I have no reason to be prideful. In Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul gives a great, uh, great example of humility in that of Jesus. And he begins in verse three, Philippians two, three saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And then he goes in and starts to discuss how Jesus is such a great example of humility. He came and humbled himself being fashioned in the form of a man and submitting himself to death on the cross, which I mean, Jesus didn't have to do. Like he submitted himself to death on the cross. He didn't, he could have avoided it. Obviously he would have been outside of, of God's will, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. But had Jesus chosen to be, uh, chosen to be disobedient, he fully had the capacity to do so. He even said beforehand, he could have called down legions of angels to rescue him. And yet Jesus said, no, 
I'm going to hum- humbly submit myself and go to the cross. In another instance, in John chapter 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet as a great example of being a servant. And then at the end, he says, the servant is no greater than the master. And if you are the servant and I'm the master, and I'm by effect greater than you, and I'm willing to humble myself and wash the, the dirty feet of these men who've been walking around, are you really that great? Is there anything that you can't do to serve somebody else? And the answer obviously is no. And so he is ultimately our example of humility. Children have no way to be prideful. They, they don't even have a, a, the capacity to understand what pride is. Like they just, they're not there yet. And they, they have to be humble because like in society, in life, they, they really can't do anything great. There's nothing, again, it's birthed out of that dependence. There's nothing they can do on their own. And so there's really not a sense of pride. So humility is kind of a natural trait. And the final thing here, again, this is the thing that really, where this podcast episode came from, that really, this has challenged me more than anything else in this, is the idea of wonder. So my daughter, Selah, she always says wow about so many things that we would never say wow about. I've mentioned in previous episodes that my family, we bought a home and it's a fixer upper and we had, you know, gutted a lot of the walls. And there was one day when we, uh, we had no walls in our upstairs hallway. We were living up, you know, mostly downstairs and we moved one of our bedrooms to the upstairs and, but we didn't have walls in the hallway that there was just studs. And so we go and we walk by studs to go to bed every night. And the day that I hung drywall in the, in the hallway, Sayla came up and was like, Wow. And I'm like, it's, it's drywall. You know, know, like there's, it's walls. You go to anybody's house, they have walls. We're like the only house I know that doesn't have walls. And yet she's full of wonder. Like, look at, this is amazing. Just last night, uh, we went to Dollar General as a family. It was a great spiritual experience, you know, and we go in and, and I plop Sayla in the cart. And for some reason, she's just, wow. I don't know if it's because the cart was yellow and she's, you know, she doesn't typically go to Dollar General. She goes to Walmart and stuff. But typically when we do Dollar General, I go and her and Brittany stay home. But for some reason, she was just in awe over over this cart or being put in there or the store. You know, all these things that none of us would be in awe over. I mean, there's no, like, Dollar General is a decent store. You know, I, I, don't, I don't dislike them. But I've never been filled with awe and wonder walking into a Dollar General. But for some reason, there's something in her life that that has created this. And she always asks questions as well. And she's always asking, what's that? What's that? You know, over everything. And even if she knows what it is, half the time, she still likes to say that. So she always has this, this sense of wonder because she's a little kid. And there's so many things that she doesn't understand. And she's inquisitive. She wants to learn. And I found in my life, you know, I'm, I'm not very old. I'm in my twenties at the, at the time of this recording and, and it's easy to lose a sense of wonder in life a sense of awe over creation, over all that God has done over God himself. You know, we go outside and, and see the beautiful things that God has made. And it's just like, yeah, you know, where I live, it's beautiful mountains everywhere. Now, some people might call them hills. I mean, they're not, not massive, massive mountains, but it's such a beautiful area and it's, not all that common for me to go outside and just be filled with awe and wonder over what God has done and to, to look at him and, and have this sense of awe and wonder. And I do at times, but I've, I've realized like 
my daughter has convicted me with her sense of awe over the littlest things. And there's these great things that God has done. And I don't always have a sense of awe about them. If you look through scripture and you see different people who have encountered God, none of them were ever complacent or relaxed or anything like it, it wasn't like this at all. Anybody that encountered God had this sense of awe and wonder. I mean, Isaiah, he was a prophet and he said, woe is me. He, he was in utter awe in, in fear of God and God's holiness and how great God is. And then if you think about Moses, when Moses came into the presence of the Lord and yeah, his face shone like a bright light, you know, he came off the mountain, his face was shining because he had been in the, in the presence of God, like nobody had been before. And you realize these people that had encountered God, it wasn't some laid back thing. It wasn't something small. It was like, he's God and they're full of awe and you know, and it's something that you can't just go and pretend like, oh, I've got God all figured out. No, really, none of us do, you know, and I, and that's something that I've been really challenged with is this idea of wonder, like how much do I allow awe and wonder and holy fear fill my relationship with God and an acknowledgement of him as my father, but at the same time, acknowledging how great he truly is. Something has challenged me and I want to read one more passage passage of scripture. It's going to be a little bit longer. It's in Revelation chapter one. And this is John, the apostles, uh, revelation of Jesus. Now the book of revelation is intimidating to a lot of people because there's a lot of end times things in it, but ultimately revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's seeing Jesus for who he truly is now that he is exalted. And so John, who's the beloved apostle, he was the one that, you know, laid his head on the, on the chest of Jesus, I, I believe is what they say. You know, he was Jesus's favorite, at least that's what most people believe. And he obviously had a very good relationship with Jesus when he was here on earth, but then he has this vision on the Isle of Patmos and he, you know, he has this vision of Jesus and it wasn't like a familiar complacent encounter. And this is how it goes. It starts in verse nine here it says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the Island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, side note, John had been persecuted for his faith. He's believed by church tradition to be the only one of the apostles that was not martyred. They actually died of an old age. And, but he was exiled to this island. And so he was here by himself on this island, as far as we know. And in verse 10, it says this. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Verse 13, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. Now, Jesus had referred to himself throughout his ministry as the son of man. So he's seeing a vision of Jesus here. And then it goes on to describe him. Verse 14 says, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. 
When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, can you imagine how John felt when he has this incredible vision of Jesus exalted in heaven? He's like, you know, his eyes are like fire. His voice is like the rush of many waters. There's a, a sword coming out of his mouth. And remember, this is this, this is the same John that traveled for three years with Jesus. He's the same exact guy. But he doesn't come into this encounter complacent and like, oh, yeah, God, that's neat, you know. Nice to see you, Jesus. It's been a little while. No, no, not at all. It says that he fell on his feet as though he was dead or felt fell on his face. Rather, he fell on his face like he was dead. And, and this, again, he was somebody that was familiar. And it can be easy for those of us who had never even met Jesus to become familiar with the idea of God and Jesus exalted into heaven and all these things. And, and so in light of that, you know, do we have awe in our relationships? Are there ever things that God does that make us just say, wow, you know, this is something that I think a lot of children experience because they don't have anything figured out. They don't have really a depth of knowledge on anything. And so there's a lot of wonder because they don't have things figured out. But at the same time, you know, the, the older we get, all of us, the more things we learn, the more we have figured out, the easier it is to become complacent and like, oh, I've, you know, I've seen that before. Oh yeah, I've read that passage of scripture before. You know, there's nothing new there. And so familiarity, I think they say, can breed contempt where we go and, you know, we just get so complacent because we're used to it and we lose this sense of awe. But I believe it is part of being childlike. And I believe it's part of truly inheriting the kingdom of God as a child, as Jesus had taught. So when you see children, remember, they're a better example for inheriting the kingdom of God than a rich man who's faithfully kept the commandments from his childhood. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week and until I see you next time, Let's live out our faith each day without exception.